Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 79, the Cubs' best month of the season. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram. Of course, we're on Facebook. And you can email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crawley, uh, happy Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. And uh, we've got uh, one game into the uh, Major League Baseball's Final Four as we had a uh, ALCS game on Sunday night. Yeah, we'll definitely get there. There's some uh, exciting baseball going on. We have two uh, games as we're recording this. One going on right now, ALCS. And then the NLCS makes its debut tonight. And for those of you that miss Cubs baseball, you can uh, listen to uh, Boog and uh, Doug Glanville got the call. So a couple local guys, uh, you know, making the call. So that's kind of cool. On the uh, four-letter network radio station? Yes, sir. Well, okay. All right. Very interesting. All right, Crowley. So as we've been doing, we've been looking back our year in review of the Cubs season. And now we are in August to remember. Yeah, when August, you know, we, we talked last time we were here at the uh, on June 8th, the Cubs were 10 games under 500. And by the end of July, they were 53 and 53. So they had climbed all the way back. And Jed decided not to break up the team. And at the trade deadline, he makes two trades. Okay. Uh, the first one was he, uh, they, need, they knew they wanted some more bullpen arms. And, and so they traded outfielder Nelson Velasquez for relief pitcher Jose Quas. Dustin, uh, we, we talked about how frustrated I was that Nelson Velasquez didn't get a lot of time. Again, basically sad after he hit a go, uh, grand slam. And, and you know, my only concern here is I hope that this is not one that comes back to bite him because if you were watching a lot of Casey Royals baseball, which I know people weren't, um, Nelson, <laughs> Nelson Velasquez was hitting. only the white, only the white Sox are watching Casey, Casey, uh, Royals baseball. They seem to think that that's the uh, solution to all their problems. They're going to get as many guys as they can get from Kansas city over to 35th and shields. Well, they might want to look at Nelson Velasquez because he hit a whole lot of home runs for Kansas city. So I'm hoping that's not one that bites the Cubs, but, um, um, Jose Quas comes over, but the big deal was that the Cubs acquired former Cubs prospect Timer Candelario for Kevin Made and DJ Hurst. So the corner infield spots that were a problem all season now looked settled, Dustin. You had Bellinger at first, and you had Candelario playing third, and he could play first if you needed to move uh, Bellinger into center field. So, you know, the Cubs were ready to go. Uh, They took uh, on the Reds in a four-game series – from July 31st to August 3rd, they took three of four from Cincinnati, winning game two by a score of 20 to nine and game three by a score of 16 to six. But Dustin, the biggest impact of that series was not the games that they won, three out of four, but on the one they lost on July 31st. Marcus Stroman would go only three innings and give up six runs. He would be placed on the IL on August 2nd and wouldn't come off the IL until September 15th. He would make two more starts the rest of the season. 
you know, it was just so unreal how quick that that that, that Strowman train derailed. You know what I mean? Yeah, the timing was the timing was awful. But uh, it, during this month, they they played like they didn't exactly need him. No, nope, nope. Um, you know, and so the Cubs would then take on the team with the best record in baseball, the Atlanta Braves. They took two of three from the the Braves at Wrigley. But in game two, Dustin, David Ross sat Seiya Suzuki. He wasn't in the lineup, and he would be benched for the next four games to give him a mental reset. And, and that move turned out to be pivotal. Seiya would come back and be one of the most productive Cubs hitters in August and September. Uh, Dustin, the next series drove you and I nuts because they went, oh. to, they, they went to New York to face on the Metropolitans. And that is where Pete Alonso helped the Mets take two or three from the Cubs, hitting four home runs in three days. So I think, Dustin, you know why the Cub fans want them on their team. They don't want to have to face that guy they anymore. Don't want to face the, uh, they don't want to face the polar bear anymore, no? Mm-mm. No, he, he looked, you know, he looked really good. And, and it's, you know, I, I, I wonder what the asking price is going to be for prospect-wise. Again, if, if – you know, if they're going to try to rip off the Cubs or if they're going to be realistic, it would be something to look into, even if it's, you know, it's a one-year rental. So I what mean, if they you, want, what if they want Pete Crow Armstrong back? They're not getting Pete Crow Armstrong. You're not, you know, there's going to be, a, a, there's, there's going to be a few untouchables, but no, not for yeah. a, not for a one-year rental. And that's, that's what I'm thinking is that with the depth of the Cubs system, there still might be a deal to be had there somewhere. I, I, I think that that's a possibility, but um you know, the Cubs would then go to Toronto where they would take two of three from the Blue Jays before heading home for a two-game set with the White Sox. They split at uh, 35th and Shields. But now, you know, the Cubs were looking to kind of – no, they took both games at 35th and Shields. So they were looking uh, to uh, take the win – what is the Trust Cup now? I don't even know what it's called anymore. I'm not even sure who the official sponsor of that series is. I don't know. <laughs> So it looks like money well invested, but um, they were going to play. And the first game ended in disappointment as Luis Robert hit a solar home run in the seventh to break a 3-3 tie as the Cubs would lose this one 5-3. And it looked like the White Sox would sweep the Cubs as they were losing 3-0 in the eighth. But former White Sox Nick Magical hits a solo home run in the eighth to make it a 3-1 game. Then in the bottom of the ninth, Cody Bellinger doubled to lead off the inning Dansby Swanson would draw a walk, and in one of the most electric moments of the season, Christopher Morell hit a walk-off home run as the Cubs would win it 4-3. to Morell sprints around the bases, throws his helmet. He had his jersey and shirt ripped off, all <laughs> while the new LED lights created a strobe effect and W's were made out of the lights, which, you know, some people complained. I thought it was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You know, especially, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I go to plenty of games and when I went to the night games and, you know, they didn't do it after every home run. I think that would be much, but at the end of the game, it's cool to kind of see monumental, that type of thing. Absolutely. That was, that was a fun one right there. And, and, and so, you know, the Cubs would then go on to take two of three from the Royals, two of three from the Tigers and three of four from the Pirates, setting up a big series with first place Milwaukee, only four games back at this point. The Cubs would lose game one, uh, 6-2, to as the Brewers scored four in the first against Sheamus and Tyone. I was at that one, and I remember I, I wasn't even in my seat, and uh, what's Christian Yelich hit a leadoff home run. I would, uh, but the uh, Cubs would win game two 
one to nothing, a pitcher's duel between Justin Steele and Corbin Burns. I mean, you know, that, that, that was what you wanted to see out of Justin at that point. Again, still right in the thick of the Cy Young race. And he was able to go pitch for pitch with former Cy Young Corbin Burns. So that was a great one. Another pitcher's duel for game three is uh, Kyle Hendricks took on Brandon Woodruff. The Cubs were up 2-1 in the eighth when the Brewers tied it up in the top of the inning. But Cody Bellinger hit a go-ahead single in the bottom of the inning, and the Cubs won 3-2 to take the series from Milwaukee. And now we're three games behind Brewer, the Brewers for first place entering September. Dustin, I don't know if you saw the news, but it uh, looks like Brandon Woodruff is injured, and he will not. We found out about that injury um, prior to the last series of the season, but now they're saying he's out next year. So that's wow. Uh, yeah. Out next year. That's my understanding. We'll see. You know, these guys keep coming back quicker and quicker from injury. But when I'm looking at that, that's that's really going to hurt the Brewers. You know, they were looking Oof, whenever when they have those three badly. guys. Yeah, that hurts. Yeah, and, and is Burns going to be back? I mean, that's all stuff we're going to have to kind of keep an eye on. But. You know, uh, I, I think this offense season is going to be interesting, especially the two teams I'm going to be looking at are the Cardinals and the Brewers. Um, and I think that they might be going in opposite directions um, from last season. But all in all, July was clear. Or August was the best month of the season for the Cubs. Dustin, they went 18 and nine. They won seven steer series and they split the one with the White Sox. The other big thing about this month is they won eight one-run games. That's and huge. that was something that's that monstrous. Hurt. Yep, that's monstrous. Yeah. Yep. You win eight one, you know, and that's where the bullpen was really just clicking. You know, you said not missing Marcus Stroman. Part of the reason that was is because Javier Assad came in and he started Dustin five games. And again, the record was 2-0, and but he had a 2.48 ERA. Against Atlanta, he gave up two runs. That was the shortest start. That was his first one. He gave up one run against the Blue Jays, two runs against the White Sox, against Detroit two runs, and against the Pirates, he gave up one run. So to see Marcus or, uh, Javier Assad, you know, that was what we were looking for all year. I remember he started the season, kind of struggled a little bit out of the gate, but that was the guy that we saw in the World Baseball Classic. Right. Now he went back to that form, no doubt. I don't – if you're asking me for next season, I don't see him being a starter. I think the role coming out of the bullpen is going to be where he's going to give you the most value, if, if, if right. I'm going to take a guess on that. But, you know, he you know he really helped so in that. Let's dive a little let, – let's follow up with that a second, okay? Let, let's follow mm -hmm. up with that. So, obviously, Justin Steele. Yes. And? Marcus Stroman. Okay, so Marcus Stroman is opting back in. And um, Jamison Tyone. Okay, so Tyone was the other one that you knew was going to be in the rotation one way or the other, right? Right. So is Kyle Hendricks getting picked up? Sure sounds I like think, it, right? I, I think Kyle Hendricks would be getting picked up. And, you know, so we'll, there's we'll four, see. right? And I right. we're four. And at that point, you, you can look at a free agent um, or you can look at, uh, you know, giving one of the young guys a chance. I mean – you're going to have uh, Hayden Wisniewski, Caleb Killian, Jordan Wicks, Ben Brown. These guys are ready to take the next step. Right. Let's hope they can I, all. Let's let's hope whoever doesn't win that fifth spot, assuming they don't buy a pitcher, that all of them then can contribute in the bullpen. I really did like that concept, Crowley. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe it, it proved wrong because of how the bullpen ended up burning out. But I really like the idea 
Tommy Hadaby would tell us that they wanted the, their best pitchers at the major league level. So even though Hayden Wisniewski was thought of as a starter, he was still one of their best pitchers in the organization, even though starting wise, he wasn't super hot. So they wanted him in the pen. So I hope that's a plan next year, depending on what they do, obviously in free agency. I'm sure that, that I, I'm sure at least one of those names I have will be in the bullpen. If not oh, two. at least, yeah, I, I, I would put the over under at probably two and a half. I would and, say two and, and a half of those guys are in the Cubs bullpen next year. And what you're going to see is those guys have options. So let's say someone is injured. You could always, or let's say, let's say you have a guy that you say, you know what? I think we really want him to start. You could always send him back to AAA, call someone else up and stretch those guys out. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. All right. Sorry um, to derail big, you for a second there, but I no, wanted to, you can I always dive into that. For, I wanted to jump <laughs> into that a little bit. Heimer Candelario uh, did a great job back. He, he slashed in the month of July or in the month of August, 275, 337, 473 with three home runs, 12 RBIs. I thought that that gave the Cubs a big bump at third, and, and that really lengthened the lineup. There was You were starting to eliminate kind of some of those easy spots that you get into. And then after struggling in the month of June and July, something awful, that benching of Saya really turned him around. He slashed in August 321, 365, 641, with five home runs and 13 RBIs. I mean, like I said, Dustin, taking two out of three from the Brewers, beating Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, I think, you know, we were all optimistic going into September. Oh, gosh. The optimism, Crawley, was through was through the roof. Before we, before we move on, I want to do what we just did a second ago, and now I want to talk about Candelario. So he's in a one-year deal. So he's going to be a free agent, correct? Correct. Okay. What do you? What? what how do you feel about him? Is he? Uh, is he a guy that, assuming they could bring Cody Bellinger back, that you would be okay with at third base? Yeah, I'd be okay with them at third base if they if they brought Cody Bellinger back. I would have no problem. But he can't be the reason Cody Bellinger. Like he can't be the solution to Cody Bellinger being gone. That he's at third or first. No, he's not replacing Cody Bellinger's offense. There's no right. way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're going to, they're going to have to add on to that. So hopefully, you know, it, it'd be great to keep those two guys. And he's somebody and, else. that's not necessarily guaranteed to be back. Candelario. Absolutely. And, and, and again, you know, cup fans got to see the, you know, the best of him when he was here in July and then, you know, in, or in August. And then unfortunately in September, yeah, uh, a back injury is really going to, yep. the back injury is going to derail him a little bit. So we'll see what happens, but I will tell you, Dustin, that, that go that August, the month of August, when, you know, you're sitting there winning 18 out of 18 out of 27 games, I'll take that anytime. <laughs> oh yeah. Listen, you spread that out over the course of a baseball season. This would have been almost a hundred uh, win team. You are listening to the fly, the W six seventy podcast. It's season number two. It's episode 79. The Cubs, Best, best month of the season. Don't forget, listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, Crawley interviews Stuart McVicker, founder of Club 400, to talk about the guest that visited the world's best man cave as he continues its goal to raise $1 million for Cubs fans in need. Cub fans helping out other Cub fans, Crawley. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I'm happy to have back our good friend Stuart McVicker of Club 400. Stu, buddy, how you doing tonight? Crowley, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, man. Uh, it means the world to me that uh, you're letting everybody know about Club 400, Cup Fans, Healthy Cup Fans. 
Yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, the end of the season, you know, and we're kind of getting near near kind of the end. And, you know, I just kind of always love to look back at everything that Club 400 has done over the year. And it just felt, you know, like 2020 just killed us all. And then and this and that. But ever since all that, you know, the pandemic stuff stopped. I mean, obviously stuff's still out there. But, you know, when, when we got back to living again, it, it to me, it felt like Club 400 really kind of came back didn't miss a beat. And this year was really cool because you started January off with a fantasy camp in Las Vegas. Tell our listeners about that. Well, you know, I, I was lucky enough to attend the 2020 uh, Cubs fantasy camp, which turns out will probably be the last Randy Hunley fantasy camp ever. And then, uh, as you mentioned, COVID hit. And then we ended up carrying uh, the torch, hoping that Randy was going to bring it back uh, with, you know, with Randy's permission and everything like that. My thought was, uh, if Randy wasn't going to do it, why let campers go to another camp? We might as well try to keep it going and keep it Cubs related. So, uh, yeah, we uh, three years in a row we did. Uh, we started off with two teams uh, in uh, Huntley, then we did two teams um, in Vegas, and this year we did three teams in uh, Vegas, and it was unbelievable. Uh, we had Fergie Jenkins, Lee Smith, Bob Junior, and Ed Lynch as our coaches. And it kind of kicked off the year in the right direction because at that point in time, that's all we had going. I was so much concentrating on the fantasy camp. I had no clue what our next move was. But, uh, yeah, to be able to carry the torch, and unfortunately it looks like Randy's not going to have his camp in 2024. And we can only hope maybe uh, in 2025 he'll bring it back. But um, I was happy I was happy to be able to do that for uh, a lot of the uh, campers that previously went to Randy's camps. Yeah, you know, because if all of a sudden, you know, for guys that go to it all the time, you know, it, it leaves a void when it's not there. Like, you know, when we didn't have Cubs games or Cubs con, like when, when something you look so forward to is gone, that's tough. So it was awesome that Club 400 was able to carry the mantle and, and excited to see what you got planned for 2025. But going back to 2024, you get done with the fantasy camp. And, you know, I remember you and I talking about this and, and, and you know, you and I talk and, hey, Carly, what do you think about Justin Steele? I want to get Justin Steele. And yeah. at that time, I mean, if people remember in 2022, he was battling for the fifth starter spot and he really, you know, he really didn't hit his stride until the second half of the 2022 season. And, and, and you know, and eventually it's, yeah, you know, Justin, Justin Steele. And that was the first party. And you were on this podcast and we were saying, get these tickets now because this guy has a chance to be a Cy Young and what a party and what a year for Justin Steele. I mean, first of all, I, if you haven't been to a Club 400 party, I still I, I said it on our video. Where, where the heck have you been? I mean, we're offering the, a unique experience that you can't get any, anywhere else. I don't know, in America, where you can walk into somebody's basement and you have like 80 to 90 people and you're doing Q&As, you're doing autographs, you're doing pictures, the food and uh, beverages are... Uh, there for you to have. I mean, it's just remarkable. Uh, yeah, the Justin Seal party really set it, set the tone for the rest of the year. And, uh, you know, it was funny because when I introduced Justin Steele as I was bringing him down the stairs and we gave him our big Club 400 welcome, I said, uh, this guy's going to be the Cy Young this year, so watch out. And, um, I, I, you know, obviously uh, he didn't quite become the Cy Young, but he, he, he was in the top five for sure. And, uh, and he had a heck of a year. And uh, it was a great night. Um, and Justin Seal, what a season he had. Uh, it was just, it was great. It was a great, it was a great way to kick off our uh, guests here at club 400 in 2023. 
Yeah, you know, I got a picture up myself and Danny Rocket. We got to, we did a parody of uh, "Wanted Dead or Alive" about Justin Steele. He loved that, and I got to do the Q and A, which was fun. And I, I kind of just put the picture up here for people that are subscribed to the Scores YouTube channel, just the Club Four Hundred family. Just always, always a good time, always having a lot of fun. And, and you know, while after the Justin Steele party, we did a lot of fun stuff. We went to Iowa a couple times. We're always going to games and stuff like that. But you had something big planned for the next event, which was in August. And that was a party that definitely did not suck. Joe Madden. I mean, what I mean, that Joe, that I one mean, was in the works for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, actually, you know, I've had a relationship with Special Olympics for a while, Brian Weymouth. Um, you know, we were talking about doing something long ago and then yeah, you know, COVID hit, and then it just made a lot of sense that, you know, Joe obviously didn't have a, a job managing at the time and uh you know, Joe's a big supporter of Special Olympics, so we got Joe to come here. And, you know, I want to let everybody know that Joe came here free of charge, you know, and uh, we raised $75,000 for Special Olympics. And that was one of our larger events. Justin Steele was about 100 people. Uh, the Joe Madden was uh, 250 people. Uh, but, you know, it was awesome because, uh, you know, we had a lot of other, great, a lot of other things going on that night, but we had our first ever uh exclusive club 400 item the scorecard uh i mean the lineup card for game seven that joe madden signed i was really proud to launch our first exclusive item here at uh, club 400 and madden and as you guys know if anybody's been to the sports spectacular any autograph shows he's just so personable he's so humble he's so easy to talk to joe um i always say uh, the party is only as good as the guest and joe madden was unbelievable guest and uh like i said man we broke our all-time record for money raised in one night. And that's because, you know, Joe didn't charge us. That's one of the main reasons. And we were due $75,000, which our, our previous record was $66,000 for the Anthony Rizzo Foundation. So it, it, it was awesome, you know. And, you know, Stu, for people that have never been to Club 400, you don't know who might also show up. And this is a picture of myself with Bobby Dernier and Jody Davis. So they did a Q&A. And then later on, Ron Coomer did a Q&A with Joe Madden. And this picture is one of my favorites because this is Bobby D and Jody. And they they came up and surprised Joe. Joe had no idea this was going to happen. They went and said, you tell us who you would pick, an 84 guy or a 2016 guy. And and Joe was just, what was that answer he gave for the center fielder, Bob Dernier or Dexter Fowler? What did he call him? Bobby Fowler. Bobby Fowler. I, think, I mean, oh, I, think, I think that was it. I, I didn't get to catch the Q&A. I gotta watch it. Actually, I gotta watch your channel. We're gonna put. We're gonna actually put the podcast on the Club 400 podcast soon, so uh, you know we can relive that. But uh, it was awesome. Yeah, that night was awesome. I mean, yeah, you're not only coming to see Joe Madden, but you're gonna, you know, we're gonna always have a little extra guys there. And uh, yeah, it was Joe Kilgallen, obviously our Chicago's favorite comedian, was the host, and uh, uh, we had a. Pete's uh, uh, Pete's diary out as the band, and you know he's had he has his own remarkable story in itself. I thought it's fit, uh, fit perfect for the Special Olympics thing, and it was you know another great uh, night at Club 400. Probably what you know what I really enjoyed my. I don't tend to enjoy like myself at larger events because I'm getting pulled in a lot of directions. But for some of that for some reason, I think it was because Joe was so awesome. I was able to relax and enjoy it myself, and uh, it was uh, it was a great party. It was like probably the largest event, the most enjoyable largest largest event I've ever done, and uh, I was just really happy to do seventy five thousand dollars for Special Olympics. I saw him um, two weeks ago at the autograph show in Schaumburg, that new one that they just started. 
And I saw him and he said, Hey, and I said, how's, you know, did you get everything up in the firehouse yet? And he's like, no, but when I do, I can't wait. And he's all excited because he went home with some swag too. So he, you know, you guys always treat the, 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 uh, guests so well, and then they always go home, not empty handed. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, no, we got, we, you know, we have a remarkable network of cub fans, uh, you know, like Bill Watts, Fly the Wood. there's a whole bunch of guys I could name that, um, always really are, are part of the reasons why we raise so much money. Um, it's because of the network of Cub fans. And, you know, we've had some sponsors, not many. Tovar was one of our great sponsors. But we did get three or four sponsors um, for the August party. And that was another reason why we were able to kick butt. Um, but, yeah, we're, you know, we're looking for sponsors down the line. That, that'll keep us going and heading in the right direction so we can give away more money to Cub fans. And, honestly, that was a rare thing because, you know, my goal is always, you know, to help out individual Cub fans and uh, families and stuff like that. And that, that's where, uh, in the future, I really want to direct myself is, you know, keep it local, keep it, keep it Cub fan related for sure. Now, you know, it's it's you barely even had time to, to breathe after the Joe Madden party, but the next one was special. You and I talked about it because we watched this guy growing up, and that was Shawan Dunstan. And the thing about, you know, I love Joe. And, and I love listening to him. I can listen to him forever. But, you know, now he's one of those guys that is kind of in the circuit. You know what I mean? You can see him in a lot of different places. Sean Dunson's a guy that, you know, I remember last time I saw him at Cubs convention was years ago when his, when his son was in the Cubs minor league system, Sean Dunstan Jr. And I hadn't seen him forever. I didn't have autographs from him, nothing. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, my 50th birthday party. Sean Dunstan. And oh my God, I think from a lot of people that I talk to, and I talk to a lot of people that go to a lot of your events, you know, that was a surprise of how enjoyable and how, how, how fun it was with Sean, how down to earth, he's a very humble guy and his Q and a, uh, Justin Steele from the MVP show on marquee. He, he did the Q and a on that one. That was just something else. I mean, it was really a special night. Uh, you know what? Sean Dunstan uh, was a guy I was trying to get out for a very long time. And um, honestly, when I was able to book him, I was excited. But, you know, like you said, I didn't know much about Sean Dunstan because he doesn't do a lot of public appearances. And I was really happy to get him to come out here the weekend he was inducted to the Cubs Hall of Fame. And as you know, it was my 50th birthday, birthday that night. So I didn't know what to expect with Sean, but he blew me out of the water. I mean, I'll tell you what. You know, I still, he called me last night, actually, because he just got his uh, box of gifts that we sent him. And, uh, man, you know what? He's salt-to-earth type of guy. He's super cool, super calm. Uh, just, he's funny. He's humble. He's got, a, his wife was amazing. And that was a special night. And you know, as you know, we had the Shawnometer out here that night, uh, the original Shawnometer. And that, that was just I mean, and the, our photographer took pictures with Sean Dunstan, and then he took pictures uh, with, with the guests with the Sean O'Meter in it, man. And I'll tell you what, what a heck of a night. Like I said, that's a night that I won't forget for a very long time. And Sean Dunstan just rocked the house. I mean, honestly, I'm going to put him in my top five guests of all time here at Club 400. I and mean, we've had a lot of great guests, but there's something about Sean. I think he just surprised me. And I and I and, and when I say that I don't mean it negatively. I just didn't know him. I did have no clue what to expect. And his kindness just blew me out of the water. And you know what? And I was like, 
wondering, like, what is going on? Why is the autograph line taking so long? <laughs> and that's because when you went up to Sean Dunstan, he wasn't signing. He was talking to everybody. He was engaging with people. And, like, if you went to that party, you, you know, you felt like, I think, I'm pretty sure, because like, you got a really good handle on who Sean Dunstan is as a, was a, is as a person. And I, I told Sean, I said, Sean, man, if you want to go back out in the public and you want to be representing the Cubs, you would be awesome at it. And, I mean, you know, some people like to stay in the game and some people don't want to stay in the game for whatever reason. But if Sean wanted to be back in baseball as far as a figurehead for the Chicago Cubs, he would be amazing. He would be simply amazing. God bless Sean Dunstan. And I'll tell you what, having him on my 50th birthday meant the world to me. Yeah, it was so much fun. And then, you know, for, for a good ender of the season, you had the first ever club 400 Chicago event with again another one of our favorite players growing up, Mr. Andre Dawson, and 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 just you know, Andre is is another just quiet, humble. You know what I mean? It's like he's a Hall of Famer, he's a Gold Glover, he's all this stuff, but he's just a really quiet guy that just really is very friendly. And and you know, it was, you know, he's just a blast. And not only that, it was you had a party where it was also a bourbon tasting. You know, Sean Dunstan is with uh, working with the. Uh, I'm sorry, Andre Dawson is working with Cooperstown Distillery. And, you know, everybody that came got to try the different bourbon, and it's in this crazy baseball container. It was just a fun night. It was, it was a fun night listening to Sean, or to listening to Andre Dawson tell some of those great stories. Yeah, and where, where could you hang out with Andre Dawson with about 30 people there? Are you kidding me, man? Uh, I mean, I think about it now. We had Fergie Jenkins, Lee Smith. Andre Dawson, three Hall of Famers involved in our events. So, yeah, I don't know. I would have to say that, and I'm going to say it for the first time, 2023 was definitely our most successful year in Club 400 history, not only for the events that we had, because every event was a slam dunk and, and was a winner, but also because we, we will raise almost $100,000 when it's all said and done by the end of the year. And you know what? Last year, I wasn't completely happy with the amount of money that we put out there. But this year uh, it was the comeback tour, man. And, uh, the comeback <laughs> tour was awesome. And uh, it was, and like I said, not only uh, were they awesome events, but we raised the most money in uh, one year that Club 400's ever done. And, and uh, it's, it's been amazing. And if people follow you on Facebook at the Club 400 public page or on your, on your Twitter, what you'll find is that your social calendar gets filled up really quick. And so even though there's no baseball, there's still club 400 events always going on. What do you got cooking for November? Well, yeah, you know, like I said, man, and I want to let you let all, all the listeners know this, you know, I don't take any money from club 400. I'm lucky enough to have my own job, uh, my own company, uh, that we do heating and air conditioning. So this is my passion project. So not, when you come to a club 400 event, you're also donating to charity. And, um, so we, you know, we, we go event to event. Like Club 400 is completely broke right now, which kind of sucks. But um, so that's why we're having uh, our good friends at Randall Roadhouse uh, are having a meat raffle. Randall Roadhouse is located in Algonquin on Randall Road, obviously. And um, uh, he's been so good to us since day one. If you've been to a Club 400, I'm sure you've had their food because he's he's just he's an amazing guy. And we we've done that. We did this uh, last year, and we're going to do it again, and we're going to raise a little bit of money. 
And during the, uh, it's going to be one to four at Randall Roadhouse in Algonquin on Saturday, November fourth. As you know, the Cubs uh, Wrigley Field will be open for the Northwest Northwestern Iowa game, so we'll have the game on there. And you know, uh, they're going to be they're going to have a full staff, and we're you know, we're going to have a great day that day. And uh, all the money is going to benefit Club Four Hundred. And you know, I, I, and before we move on to that, Crowley. We just released a video uh, not long ago, uh, and we only got to do one this year, unfortunately. But we had we were so busy doing other things. But our honoring Cub fan program, if you want to go check out our latest video, the Rose family, we took them to Wrigley Field, and we want to do more of those. We want to do three or four of those, but you know we are a small operation. I, I do most of the work. Of course, we have a lot of great volunteers, but I'm the one like behind the scenes setting all these events up. But uh, yeah, we want to do more of those, and that's where sponsors will come in so we can bring, you know, three or four families to Wrigley Field and give them that experience, uh, you know, and give them lifetime memories. And that I, and that I want to continue to do to the day I die because, honestly, I love doing the big events and I love uh, writing big checks, but, like, to take a family to Wrigley Field who's going through hell is, like, the greatest thing and the most rewarding. I, and I know there's uh, – we have a Club 400 family, as you know, with about 80, 90 people. I wish I could have grabbed every single one of those and put them on my shoulder and bring them with me because it's so rewarding, you know. So, yeah, ne- November 4th is our, uh, our our next fundraiser for Club 400. And then on November 5th, actually, which we've done for the last three or four years, uh, we're bringing a bunch of the Cubs, uh, Cubs workers over to Club 400. And you know what? Uh, we're we're going to give back to the people that really make Wrigley Field work on a daily basis, the ushers, the security staff. There's no front office people. These are the people that really don't get as enough recognition recognition as they should. And we're going to throw them a party, open bar, prizes, and so forth and so on. You know what? And it's really great because, you know, like you – and you know, Crowley, you know, everybody knows who you are when you walk in Wrigley Field. But, you know, I, I'm honored to represent the little guys. And I don't mean them little at all. But, you know, these guys, you know, they, they're often not thought about um, – and, and to be able to bring them out and give them a great day and say thank you for what you do at Wrigley Field and making Wrigley Field so special and keeping us safe. And we and I, it's, a, it's a small token of my, uh, my appreciation to those guys. And I have to thank Frank Walker, uh, Jr., for uh, picking Club 400 again for the spot to do that. So. And, 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 and they forgive us when we do dumb things, which we always appreciate. <laughs> I have to behave myself a lot more now because people know who I am. But, uh, you know, I have no problem with that. Uh, And then, uh, you know, we just announced uh, not too long ago, we did it last year. And as you know, it was a blast. Our good friend Dave Arnold is going to host at Crystal Lake, Illinois, the Club 400 Music Trivia. And, uh, you know what, it's going to be, you know, crappy weather. Actually, the Chicago Sports Spectacular is going on that weekend. So you can go to the Sports Spectacular and you can come out to Holiday Inn and Crystal Lake. And uh, play some music trivia. We'll have food, drinks, and it was a soup. It was a great time last year, and it was like I want to do it because I had such a good time. And it's a lot less work for me. I kind of give the uh, rain to Dave, and he kind of runs it. And but yeah, we're looking forward to doing that. And the people at Holiday, and that's where we put most of our players when they come out to Club 100. We usually put them there, and a lot of our guests from out of town stay there. And I know there's been a lot of parties that have broken out late night at Holiday and Crystal Lake without me. And I'm kind of jealous about that. That's the only drawback of living so close. I never can go to the hotel parties afterwards. <laughs> the only thing I'll say is if there is any music ringers, I need, I think we're losing someone from our team is not going to be there. So if there's any ringers, you can always contact me. And if you know your music, we'd love to have you on my team because we, 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 we were defeated last time at Crystal Lake, which I wasn't happy about it. 
Anybody who knows Crowley don't like to lose. He's a I don't. Player. I don't like losing. But, but, but <laughs> here's the thing: is is that you know is that all these people you know like you know sometimes you know you know how it is if like you don't know people some people aren't as comfortable as you or I to go to a new event but the people once they go they're like well why didn't I go for so many years that's so dumb of me and it's like if don't be afraid we are like the most friendly people you come up talk to any of us meet people like minded people the only requisite really is that you, you love the cubs and that you care for other people and that's about the only thing we ask and 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 so if you are thinking like I've never been to a club 400 event these are kind of smaller little events that you can kind of get to know people and start to meet people and become part of the community and start to help out. And, and it is truly an elite uh, group that, that I think really is the best of the best when it comes to um, Cub fans helping Cub fans. And, and Stuart, I appreciate everything that you do. If you could do me a favor and just plug, you got the podcast and your socials, give it a quick plug so that people know where they can find you so they can come join us for all these fun events coming up. Yeah, you can find us on the three big ones, you know, and I, I you know, I, I'm not too good at social media. I'm, I'm really disgusted at the amount of followers we have, but I blame myself. Um, we are on Facebook, uh, Club 400 public page. Check us out there. If you sign up, you're not going to miss a beat on there. And then we're also on uh, Twitter, uh, Club 400 Cubs. And then we're also on Instagram, uh, Club 400 Cubs also there too. So come and check us out. And, uh, you know, like, like Crawley said, don't be afraid to come out, come out and, um, Cause you're going to like most of the people that come here, come back because they have an amazing time. We're offering something that you can't get anywhere else. Like, you know, the sports shows are great, but you know, you're in the line and you got people in front of you pushing your way through. You're getting to hang out with these guys in the basement for three to four hours. And you're getting to know these people, these players, you know, beyond the uniform. And then, you know, Crowley, and I know like, especially you, you're getting to know these players really good and you, you tend to really pull form a lot more and you're probably a little bit easier on them when they're failing because you, you know the trials and tribulations of uh, how, how hard it is to become a major leaguer. I, my daughter asked me today, like, Dad, how, do, these, do these ball players have jobs? I go, no, baseball is their jobs. And she's like, how come you didn't become a baseball player, Dad? Because I wasn't any good. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it's – these guys are people too, and they have families, and they have, um, you know, per issues like we all do. But uh, you know, I love get, you know getting to know the, the players more than anything, and, and who they are, and what they're all about, and that that's the greatest thing about it, I think. Absolutely, you know, as we're talking tonight, and I'm like sitting there, and I'm watching Kyle Schwarber. I just remember him at the party, and that's what you're talking about is 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 that you know. It, it, the, the club 400 family is one that just is bonded together, whether these guys move on or whether they come back or whatever happens is that you remember those things and, and that's what makes it special. So Stu, I really appreciate you jumping one more on. Thing. And I would like to tell your listeners this Kyle Schwarber was also in my top five and I'm not going to say how many, but he did the most shots out of any Cubs player. And that shouldn't surprise any of you guys out there. Oh, I also he want to break news tonight. Our, and I don't have uh, – and you can follow us on social media to learn more, but our Christmas party will be December 9th, so save the date. We're going to do something very special that night. Crowley, I know you're aware of it, and uh, but if you come out, tickets are only going to be $100, so, uh, and we're going to release more details as we go. But, Crowley, thank you so much for having me on, man. It means the world to me, and uh, whenever I get to talk about my passion project, Club 400, and share it with people – and please come out to Club Runner if you haven't. I promise you, come up to me and say hello. I will show you a great night. I promise you that. And then you're going to have a lot more friends than you had uh, before you walked in the door. Couldn't say it any better. Take care, my friend. Thank you.
All right, Crowley, great job with that interview. This is Season 2. It's Episode 79, the Cubs' best month of the season. You're listening to the Fly the W podcast. And, Crowley, this time of year we always get to the anniversary of the Bartman game, a game that uh, you and I and all Cub fans remember greatly. And we've actually reached one of the uh, milestone anniversaries, if you will. Yep. On Saturday was the 20th anniversary of the Bartman game, or what I'm hoping in the future is called the Alex Gonzalez game. Um, <laughs> that I'll tell you, Dustin. Whatever for the happened people, to that guy? Whatever happened to him? <laughs> well, luckily, he was able to, 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 to avoid all the stuff that poor Bartman doesn't. Nobody's dressing like Alex Gonzalez, sitting like home behind home plate like they were in Colorado. But um you know, Dustin, it, 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 we were talking, you know, before just how it, it feels like yesterday, but at the same time, like ancient history, when you think about it, um, I actually, for those of people that are subscribed to the scores, YouTube page, you can, you can follow the scores, YouTube page and watch us, uh, on the, on the score. But I actually have, these are the tickets from that game, that game, uh, game six, uh, for, for younger listeners out there, I'm sure you've heard the story. I mean, the Cubs went up three to one against the Florida Marlins and you had two of the best starters in baseball at home, game six, game seven in, um, you know, Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor was just doing Mark Pryor things. He was rolling and, you know, Dustin, it was weird. I remember just like the festival atmosphere outside Wrigley that day. And, and it was it was weird. It was kind of bizarre, man. There was people dressed up as Santa Claus. There was there was a tap dancer, I remember, on a box. It was just like a carnival out there. It's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, the amount of people out in the um, Waveland and Sheffield was unbelievable. So I'm People just wanted to be there when, when they might actually clinch this thing, huh? Right. They all just wanted to be there when they clinched there. And I'm there and I'm definitely, you know, I'm excited, but it was like a very confident, nervous, wasn't as nervous as I normally am for these playoff games. Cause I had seen what Pryor had done. I was at Pryor's debut. I had been watching them all 20, 2002, 2003. And you know, when the Cubs go up three, nothing and he's just cruising, I mean, they're not even close to him. I remember sitting in the back of my head and I'm like, okay, I know where my vendor is. I want to be like one of the first people that gets like a, you know, a, a NL pennant winning shirt. And I, I like already was kind of starting in my head, like getting excited as we got into the seventh inning and we get into the stretch. And I don't know if people remember this. It was Bernie Mac um, who was leading the stretch, a Chicago comedian who's passed away since then. And the wind bizarre thing is, you know, they always say root, root, root for the Cubbies. But um he said, root, root, root for the champs. Champs is what he said twice. Oh, boy. And everyone was kind of like, eh, let's not do that just yet. That's kind of like taking your W flag out early. And so you get to the eighth inning, and, you know, I just remember, you know, my seats weren't where they are now. They were more kind of towards home plate but further up, okay? So I wasn't. if I was in my seats now, I would have been directly above where the play happens. Foul ball off the bat of Mordecai, I want to say, and and uh, or was it Mordecai, Mordini, Mordini. Either way, pop fly off the end of his bat, and I what I see from my vantage point is all of a sudden, uh, you know, a Lou's going nuts. He's literally throwing his 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 glove on the ground and he's he's pointing up into the stands, 
and and he wanted interference called. And I always laughed because the the thing about Alou is he was not a good fielder. And I never saw him ever once in the, the entire couple of years he was at Wrigley. Never did I see him go towards that close to the wall. One, oh, the only thing is he kept his chew back by the um, by the little like uh, inside in between the padding. That's where he would keep his tobacco, and he would literally. I said he never would go out there. The fact that he went over there the one time, and uh, I just. So what I remember more than anything is the play doesn't get made. Everyone's like, oh, but not everybody realizes exactly what happened, especially where we are on the on the third base side. And there weren't any video boards then. No video so, boards. Okay? No video and replay. No. And the Cubs are up 3 nothing, and it's still the top of the seventh. You got one guy on, and you got one out. And all of a sudden, a ball gets hit to Alex Gonzalez, and he was so sure-fired, and, and he, he botches an ending-ending double play. Okay? Well, the worst part but, was he didn't even get the force out, right? He didn't nothing. even get the force out at second. Nothing. He got nothing on that. Nothing. nothing. That, was, that was the biggest problem, at least if he would have gotten the force out. Maybe, right? But instead, they get nothing. Nothing. So, yeah, it, w- it was a mess, uh, you know, and now you got two men on. And and, and the next thing I the, – the thing that I end up remembering is all of a sudden they just – you know, I remember Pryor just not looking uh, – like just like that, it was like Pryor disappeared. It was like a ghost of, 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 a, of a man. Like I don't, I don't know what happened. And then they call, called in Kyle Farnsworth, and, and the next thing you know, the Cubs are down 8-3. They were up 3 nothing to start the inning. And the thing I remember more than anything is that there were no jumbotrons, but if our listeners remember behind you, if you look behind you underneath the concourse, they had little box TVs. And in these box TVs, all of a sudden you're starting to realize what happened during the inning, right? So like as the inning's going on and it's not ending and the pitching change and all that stuff is that everybody's watching the box TV and they're like, Who's that guy? Why? What, what is he doing? And, and and I used to have a friend of mine that sat a couple rows above me that would have headphones on all the time listening at that time to the other Pat and Ron, Pat and Ron Santo. Um, Ron wasn't. I don't think you. I don't think Ron was calling those games. He was sick. I think uh, Steve Stone was on the on the radio call with uh, Pat Pat Hughes. Really? And, um, huh? Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Because um, because they didn't have the TV. So Stoney was out of the TV because it was national. Okay. Yeah, national and Stoney TV. was with Pat. I, Santo might have been in there, but I know for sure it was Pat and Stone. Wow. And, uh, you know, and, and I had a buddy listening on the headphones, and they're all telling me some guy interfered with the ball. And the more people got upset, and as more as that inning dragged on, that's when people got pissed at, at Bartman, and that's when things just kind of got out of hand. And and I remember people ch- chanting the A-hole uh, from, the, from, the, from the streets, you could hear it, and it was just, they were all pointing and, and shouting, you know, asshole, and the whole time. And all of a sudden, right. it just it got out of hand really bad. And, I, and there's a famous story, Michael Jordan's at the game. He had kind of become friends with that group and all that stuff. And he said, I don't want to go out there. He's like, they look like a bunch of zombies out there after the game. And, and I can tell you, in all honesty, I was one of those zombies just like wandering around stunned. And um, obviously now in hindsight, we know it was nothing to do with Bartman. We all would have done the same thing. But it, it was a mob mentality that took over Wrigley Field. And unfortunately, you know, you know, if if the Cubs win game seven, you know, he would have been forgiven. Just, yeah, all forgiven, forgiven, not a everybody problem. Forgets, everybody forgets. Yep. Right. And, and 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 it doesn't happen. And and it it really was just so crushing. And uh 
It was a night that uh, that I'll never forget. Probably one of the worst one of the worst moments of my life at Wrigley. Oh, Field. What was Easy. it like walking out of walking out of there that night? You're just. It felt like you got punched in the face. Like mm-hmm. like like you got blindsided. Like it was it was. Imagine like the highest high, going to the lowest low. Like we literally people and I never heard this ever in my life where, where they were they were chanting six more outs, six more outs. And then they get the first one in, in the in the eighth inning, and it's five more outs. And I remember, and the more they were chanting, I wasn't chanting that, but I was definitely getting excited. And like I said, like in my head, you know, how am I going to scramble? Like I want to watch them celebrate, but I want to make sure I get a shirt before they sell out and a hat, and I'm all jacked up. And then the next thing you know, you, you lost. And it was like we were so – I mean, five outs, Dustin. Three-nothing lead, your best pitcher. It was uh, – my, my wife was in tears. Yep, my wife was my wife was in absolute tears. And I and, and again, I was the thing I was getting angry at, and, and, and to this day, I felt like Dusty mismanaged a lot there. Um, I'll never forgive Dusty for for a lot of the things that happened that that day and the next couple of weeks. But you know, I'm waiting for somebody to go even after the after the air after the double after the Alex Gonzalez air. I'm waiting for Dusty or Larry Rothschild go out have a meeting in the mound, chill everybody out. And like nothing's happening, and I'm you. You kind of fe- you were feeling a momentum shift, and I was like, "What is going on here?" So, it is, so I mean, is today Crowley? Then is today the anniversary of Game Seven? No, Game Seven would have been Sunday because it was boom, boom. Oh, boom, boom. Okay. Yeah, it was game. Were you at Game Seven? Yeah, I was at Game Seven, and it was Kerry Wood and Mark Redman. And the thing I remember about that is that neither pitcher really had it. Both of them looked bad. And what ends up happening is, 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 you know, you know, Cubs get out early and then the Marlins come back and take the lead. And then Kerry Wood hits a home run and the place is one of the very few times that I've ever felt Wrigley shake. I felt Wrigley shake about five or six times in my life. That was one of them, how loud it was in that when he hit that home run. But the thing, and again, this goes back to my hatred towards Dusty, is that I'm taking a look at the bullpens because the bullpens are still out there. And what I'm taking a look at is, you know, Dusty's going to his tried and true bullpen, which was the weakest part of that team. He's going with Dave Veers, and I'm looking at the other bullpen, and Jack McKeenan's got uh, Josh Beckett up. He's yep. he's he's going for the he's going for the kill. He's not going to give it to some, you know, middling bullpen arm like Dusty did. So I'll never forget that. And I doubt I'll ever forgive Dusty for, like I said, just a lot of things. And, you know, it was never his fault. He never took any blame for anything. And even, so I, I have that Bartman photograph. I have it. Um, I have it signed that picture uh, signed by uh, Alou, Mark Pryor and Dusty Baker. And Dusty was the last guy to sign it. And he sat there and I said, Hey Dusty, you mind signing this? You know, cause I didn't know how you'd react to it or nothing. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, you guys really gave him a hard time. And I'm like, you, you were there too, man. I remember the post game. You were, you were talking. Th- Don't pretend like it was all on us, man. You were just as responsible. And he now, you know, his, 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 he don't remember it that way, but I, I clearly remember him talking about it in the post game about Bartman and stuff like that. And he wasn't saying, Oh, the kid had nothing to do with it. No, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not remembering it right, but I, I can tell you, I got a pretty darn good memory when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, and so I'm like, yeah, dude, no, no, you, you, you had plenty to do with that dusty. So yeah, is what it is. Yeah. That's, uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. It was a bad, uh, it was definitely a bad, uh, bad, bad time right there. 
I will tell you, I, 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 I did have, I, I, I had nightmares of, of the silence and the thing you never forget. And I've seen it too many times, but probably I, I saw it four times, four times where I saw it. Wait, no, actually more than that. I'm sorry. Five times I've seen teams celebrate on the field to end the season. But in 2003, when the Marlins came pouring out of the dugout, game seven, the silence in Wrigley Field was so much that I could hear the Marlins celebrating on the field from the 400 level, like 400 row 12. I could hear them literally screaming and yelling. That's how silent it was. And that silence haunted me until the Cubs won the World Series in 2016. Wow. Really? Yeah. Huh. It really did. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's wild. Yeah, that you know, absolutely. That's absolutely wow. That's that's a good. That's those are good memories, Carly. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for sharing those. Oh, I'm serious. I mean, and being there makes it you know different. I mean, we all have a story about who we were with and being out at a bar and all and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, very yeah, yeah, I, very cool. All right, so we've made it, Carly. We've got to the. Uh, we were at the final four of baseball. The last time we were together, we were still missing the fourth piece. But uh, I think both you and I were believing in Philly. I think you had the Braves winning the game four and forcing a game five. But I think we both thought Philly would advance and they did indeed advance. I, I stuck with my pick. I thought the Braves were going to be able to turn it around and beat the Phillies. But for the second season in a row, the Phillies knock out the Braves. They win three to one. Ranger Suarez took the mound for the Phillies while Cy Young candidate Spencer Strider took the mound for uh, Atlanta. It was a good pitcher's duel, but Austin Riley gave the Braves a one nothing lead on a solo home run in the fourth. That did not last long as former Cub Nick Castellanos homered in the bottom of the inning to tie it at one. Trey Turner would add a solo home run in the fifth to make it two to one. And then one more Nick Castellanos solo blast in the sixth would make it three to one. Atlanta's powerhouse offense did nothing and their season was over. You know, Dustin, after the game, Ronald Acuna didn't have much to say to the press. He didn't speak to reporters, just grabbed his bags and said, I have to go to the bus. Dustin, do you think the bus was going to leave without Ronald Acuna? <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't think they were going to leave without uh, Ronald Acuna. No. Mm -mm. no you know what? They, you, know, you know, Dustin, though, here's the thing that bothers me, man, is I understand that he was emotional about it. He was obviously disappointed when the Braves won the World Series. He wasn't really part of that team because of injuries. Right. Mm -hmm. And this was his season, the, 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 what was it? 50, 70 club and all that stuff. Or is it 40, 70, 40, 70? I, I want to say, whatever, yeah. you know, you sit there and you take a look at it and, and you had time to do a montage video and you had time to raise the base, but then you couldn't talk to the beat writers and the reporters after the game's over. You just run to the bus and hide. Uh, we were talking to Paul Sullivan the other day about um, the Brant Brown, say Suzuki comparisons and you know what? Both of those guys sat there and and under the worst possible situation uh, took the heat and sat there answering questions. Say it doesn't even speak English, okay? And he sat there and he answered with the interpreter the entire time after being devastated. And, 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 and you know, it wasn't Ronald Acuna's fault. There wasn't one thing Ronald Acuna did that caused him to lose. I thought that was a coward move to have your teammates sit there and have to answer all the questions, especially while you're running away. Absolutely. I couldn't probably, you and I agree on a lot of things. I could, I think this is probably something I could not agree with you more. Right. It is. It's, you gotta hit, face the music, man. So the diamondbacks now know their opponent, but on Sunday we got our first world series game as the Texas Rangers headed to Houston to take on 
that aforementioned Dusty Baker and the Strohs. If you were a Rangers fan, you had a lot to be nervous about. Texas has gone 8-32 and 32 since 2019 at Minute Maid Park. But if they were nervous, the Rangers didn't show it. Great pitching matchup with future Hall of Famer Justin Verlander on the mound versus former Cardinal Jordan Montgomery. Verlander was able to go 6.2 innings, gave up six hits and two runs, which you think would be good enough. But Jordan Montgomery was just a little bit better going 6.1 innings, give up five hits and no runs. Rookie center fielder Evan, or I'm sorry, left fielder Evan Carter hit a double that deflected off first baseman uh, Jose Abreu, and that kid just kept motoring to second. He would come around to score on a Jonah Helm RBI single to make it one nothing. Leody Taveras hit a solo home run in the top of the fifth to make it two nothing, and that was it for the scoring in the game. The Astros did try to tie it up in the eighth when Jose Altuve drew a leadoff walk. Bruce Bochy goes to former World Series champion Araldis Chapman. And Alex Bregman greeted with him with what looked like a home run. It looked like at least extra bases. But again, Evan Carter makes a fantastic catch, throws it to second. Altuve was rounding second. He goes back to first. And the Rangers tag second. And then they challenge the call, which was safe. They go back on replay. Altuve's legs got a little tangled up, and he misses the base. The call's overturned on the field. That's the old 7-6-3 double play. Threat was over, and Rangers take game one. Dustin, that was, a, you know, the, that that was, again, just one of those wild postseason plays. And the Rangers, Crowley, like, right, and the Rangers, Crowley, they're 6-0 and right now in the postseason. 6-0. 6-0. They haven't been touched yet. Right. It's what and I it's said, man. They're hot. And it's not always blowouts. They have been playing. They have been playing playoff baseball for a, a good month now, and I think that's kind of why that they're like this. Not that the not that the Astros weren't. The Astros were playing important games too down the stretch. They they needed the weekend in Arizona to get themselves in as well. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, the Rangers are in really good form, and uh, I'm really excited about uh, the uh, Phillies and D-backs later on tonight. Now, we, we, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but again, we did not have the actual, um, you know, we didn't have exactly who was going to be playing. Are you, You're still sticking them with the Phillies to yeah, be the Rangers. I, 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 yeah, they'll beat the Diamondbacks. I've got it. Uh, I got Rangers over Astros, Phillies over Diamondbacks, and I'm already ready to predict Phillies over um, Rangers. And this gets us into something. Well, let's Let's tease this for the next episode, Crowley. You know, I'm sure you're a Cub fan that would agree with me on this, but watching what the Phillies are doing up to this point, wouldn't it be nice to have Harper, Schwarber, and Castellanos playing at Clark and Addison? Absolutely, and it didn't even have to be those guys, but just the willingness to spend money to get better. See what happens? You, right. See I mean, what happens? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that same offseason that you could have gotten Bryce Harper, you could have also gotten Manny Machado. Think right. that would have settled your third base problem? Right. And so that's something we're going to have to talk about next. Let, let's see how this plays out. But, uh, you know, Tom Tom and Jed can't let uh, Bellinger get out of here unless there's some other wild plan that, that is going to uh, pacify us Cub fans. Absolutely. All right, Crowley, that is a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow the socials, Facebook, Instagram, of course, on Twitter. Email us, flythew670 at gmail.com. And as you mentioned earlier, Crowley, you can now watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. It's Even if the Cubs aren't in it, postseason baseball is an absolute joy to watch. 
Um, and, and we're going to keep going. Don't forget to leave those five-star reviews. And go Cubs! It's all over. <laughs>